0: a calm, uneventful Halloween day, I think one could say. Uh, There was uh, one bit of good news for Philadelphia 76ers out there. Uh, The big news that people have been long awaiting, the big news that we are here live for the first time to discuss, that is, of course, the return of Robert Covington, Uh, the big news of the day. So, uh, very much excited to break down. Uh, obviously, the James Harden trade. Uh, what exactly Philadelphia got? Uh, what exactly the direction is going forward for the team? Who to really look out for? Uh, I guess we'll talk about the Clippers a little bit. You know, I'm I'm kind of happy just to let that situation be. But uh, before we get into any of that. Hello to all you out there, and hello to my lovely co-host, Justin. How's this Halloween day treating you so far?
1: I think Sixers fans was, you know, depending on who you talk to, it's been a trick or treat um, as far as the return for Harden. So, yeah, I'm definitely interested to get in and talk about um, it's finally done. It's finally over. I feel like it's not as worse as the Ben Simmons trade, but I, I feel yeah. as far as relief, but I just feel like, Glad it's over. So I'm, um, you know, I can't wait to touch bases with you on it.
0: Yeah, I think I, I mean, listen, I'll, I'll speak for at least a good portion uh, of the Sixers community. So whether that is Sixers fans, uh, you know, people like ourselves who cover the team and who find themselves in the center talking to these players, talking to the coaches, watching the game, <clears throat> uh, I, I think it's a little bit of a, of a treat. You know, is this, is this the great deal. Uh, I, I don't think that you can say it's a great deal. I think it's uh, i I'd, I'd call it a very good deal personally. Uh, I think that there is some merit to increasing the, maybe not increasing the grade, but uh, just value added to the trade being done and over with. Uh, I think that that's definitely something uh, that is kind of a boost for, uh, for, for the Sixers and, uh, for the team, for the cohesiveness of the unit. Uh, everybody out there, you know, in the comments, anyone watching along live, be sure to let us know how you feel about the James Harden trade. You know, we'd really love to hear a lot of your takes, uh, a lot of your opinions, not just on on Harden being gone, but uh, on the return uh, and, and everything there. Because we are, we're curious, you know, we want to see what the people are saying. We want to see how everyone's feeling uh, about James Harden being gone, so, uh, Justin, I guess what we'll start with first is, you know, the deal itself. Do you want to run the people through the deal?
1: Yep, I can. And uh, so, yeah, Sixers finally completed the deal with the Clippers. Um, the Clippers received James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Philip Petrosev, which I think is very interesting because, you know, he – we, we didn't even think he was going to make the roster initially. but um, So he was a throw-in in, in the Um, and the Sixers got Beck, Um, Nicholas Batum, um, Marcus Morris, hometown boy, prep charter, class of 07. Um, got him. Got Robert Coverton, Roco's back home um, to, to play with his guy, Embiid. They got K.J. Martin, which I think is an interesting ad here, and we can talk about it. K.J. Martin, um, K.J. Martin's son, um, super athletic, super athletic wing. And then they got uh, a bevy of picks. They got a, a 2026 protected first-round pick. The protections are kind of messy. Um, the protections include um, – it's. I think the Sixers get the best of – I mean, the worst of three possible outcomes in 2026 was either the OKC, Thunder – um 2026 first round pick, the Clippers 2026 first round pick, or the Rockets uh 2026 first round pick, which is one through four protected. They got an unprotected 2028 pick from the Clippers. They have a 2024 first second round pick, 2029 second round pick, and a 2027 first round swap. So all of that was a mouthful. Um but yeah, the draft, the draft capital was better than I thought it was going to be for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I think especially when you talk about the draft capital, uh, easily that is is better than than was expected. <laughs> A lot of what was <clears throat> being talked about was you know just one first round pick. Um and 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 that was just one first round pick. That wasn't uh, you know, one unprotected pick. That was in, including protections um so i mean if, if let's even talk about you know martian lynch what he's talking about here suddenly for two first round picks and a pick swap for a player that was never going to play here i mean i think that is ultimately uh a great way to think about it you, know, you have a player in james harden who uh was frankly for lack of a better term he was divisive in the six locker room You know, he didn't want to play here uh by all accounts i mean his ramp up took forever like that was he really ramping up to anything or was it was it how high Kyle Newbeck loved going on and on about how high the ramp was. And it was as he's absolutely right. Like how it was, how it was, high it was, was James Harden's ramp that he had to continue ramping up? It was it was
1: fake. It was it was optics. It was all optics <clears throat> to, quote unquote, show that he was back and yes. willing to cooperate and ready to play. When in all actuality, it was yeah. just come here and act like we're getting you together so we can get something out of this.
0: So two first round picks, uh, one unprotected, one the worst of three possibilities. But either way, it's still it's, yeah, it's a decent first. first round pick. I mean, I I think ideally, like best case scenario, is probably a late teens first round pick. Yep. Which I'm fine with. Yep. Uh, you know, worst case, it's it's somewhere there in the mid to late twenties. So. Yep. Uh, I think that's great if that's the second pick, which it is. Uh, the idea of getting an unprotected pick in 2028. I think that's kind of more the uh core part of the return. You know, if you're ranking, you know, what the most important part of, of this return is that's that's number one for me, that 2028 uh LA Clippers first round pick. That could potentially be huge. We've seen the Clippers trade away unprotected first round picks before. And we've seen those picks turn into players like Tyree Irving. Uh, which worked out pretty well for Cleveland in the long run. There, so uh, you never know, obviously, what's going to happen, but the the potential's there, and and more than likely, is Philadelphia going to make that selection? I don't I don't think so, uh, but you do have that as ammunition to trade down the line. Uh, the the picks that they did re- receive one in 2026, one in uh, 2028, that does allow them to be a little bit more flexible with what picks they do decide to send out here. Uh, So I think that's a little bit of an added benefit as well. Getting that pick swap in 2029, that's obviously some great value. That might be something that they end up taking advantage uh, of in the long run. But uh, it is, it's great to say that the deal's over. Uh, Like Eric says, the best possible trade you can ask for, uh, for unloading Harden. I I think considering the situation, that's probably correct. Uh, Is it? Is it a fair return for the production that is the, the player that James Harden is? No, it's not. But that's not what you were going to get given the situation. So I think in the confines of the situation, I think Eric's absolutely right. Uh, talking about he's glad he's gone. Back to being optimistic. I love it. Back to being People are bought in on the Sixers this year now. That is not how it was entering the season. Slowly but surely, I found myself getting back, uh, bought in on the team again. Uh, being down there Sunday, talking to Nick Nurse, uh, you know, watching these guys up close, I got to tell you, it was—I I was already back in before the Harden trade. Even even with Harden there in his uh, trying to be inconspicuous in the bright yellow hoodie, uh, as as much as you can say that he was then. I mean, uh, I was fully back in watching the the lineups that Nurse is putting out there. I mean, talking about guys like dante Mountain, Patrick Beverly, Kyle uh, Kyle. Uh, Kelly Oubre in that same lineup together. I mean, uh, this is a team that is is worthy of excitement again. And now on top of adding in these draft assets, adding in uh, some players who are capable, even if they're not a part of the long-term future. And you mentioned a guy like KJ McDaniels. I think that he's going to be one of the more undersold people in this entire deal. Uh, So I think this is definitely something that people should be excited for now going into the future, uh, excitement is back. Optimism is back in the city of Philadelphia for the Sixers' future. Eric's right, and I think that's something that we should all be excited about. Now, Trey wants to know: Should the Sixers hold on to the picks or trade now? So, the, if I'm understanding Trey correctly, what he's getting at is now or or hold on to the picks is this season or next. So, Justin, why don't you go first and and. Do you think the Sixers should try and target a star this year for a push? And if so, who might those guys you know that might be potentially available be? Or should they hold on to it for the offseason or going forward next year? What, what's your opinion? Let's get your personal take on the situation.
1: See, I'm in the middle. I feel like a deal is there to get a star. I feel like. You do it, and then maybe you're talking about the right star. I know, I know you have your qualms about. How does that player. fence
0: feel under your ass? <laughs> Give me <laughs> I, a take, dude. Come on.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. So this is what I say. I would try to get a guy now, and 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 by now I mean this season. And the reason I said it is because you strike while the iron is hot. You you wait to if you wait to see what happens, you may not know what's going to shake out. There might be other opportunities in the off season, of course, but you know, if you talk about major trades, I mean, Dame just got traded, but how often do like big name players really get traded on off season is really during the season or like the trade deadline. I feel like for the most part in, the, in recent years, I'm not talking about all time, but the recent years. So I feel like you get somebody now, it just depends who shakes free. Like, I think the only people that you could probably get in the next like sixty days would be Zach Levine, who I know you hate, but uh, Zach Levine, who would not necessarily be the defensive guard that the Sixers necessarily need, but he is a big guard with the capability of scoring. He's a, a shooter. He can play off and beat. He can take you know take the ball. He would be a solid fitter next to a bunch of guys who will play defense. My opinion. The other guy that the other guy or two guys that might shake free will be the two Toronto, you know, Toronto Raptors, Pascal and um, Pascal Siakam and uh, OG Ananobi, and that's because yeah. the Raptors might be bad like earlier on than we expected. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you know what I mean. So I think that OG will be a better fit between Maxi and Embiid long term, um, but he you know, he, he'll he have the capability of, like, guarding wings, like, you know, the Milwaukee wings or Boston wings and stuff like that, but he's not the, I'm going to give the ball to this guy and have him go get a bucket for me. So he'll be, like, in a system. So is it worth all the capital that you have to give up, you know? Then plus, like, training with Toronto Raptors is, like, yeah. like I don't know. It's, like, war games. It's, like, they yeah. ask for too much, so it's, like,
0: I mean, Are people talk about working? trading with Terrell Mori. Try dealing with Masai. I mean, it's 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 a whole different yeah. ball game at that point. It's crazy. I mean, if you had so, those two guys in the negotiation room together, how would anyone get anything done? Yeah. I, so so.
1: I, I don't I don't know, but I I do think that they should make a move soon. I think that's the plan. I think we won't see the trade official maybe for another twelve to twenty four hours. To see what daryl tries to reroute somewhere else because to be mm-hmm. honest these all these guys that are coming they're not going to play like no not all not, of them. Not at least. Play. but um yeah you know what, what's your thoughts on that?
0: yeah so I, I i come out uh again i i do agree overall probably it's a matter of uh who becomes available that's just the name of the game like they're not going to say no If all of a sudden Luka Doncic is available, like they're not going to not that they have what it takes to get Luka, so let's cool that down right now. But they're not going to say no to. I mean, John Morant's like a more realistic name. Like they're not going to say no if uh, if something like that comes up. But that name hasn't really come up yet. So uh, when we talk about what the Sixers are going to do, well, at the very least, I don't think they're going to do anything until I think it's right after the start of the new year that you can aggregate these players again. You know, now in certain cases, January 15th, in certain cases, you can move uh, a select guy on his own along with pay compensation if you're bringing in somebody at like a lower salary number now. Uh, So when we look at, the problem is that most of those guys, you're not, they're not players who you would really want to target. I mean, the one guy who, Uh, I think it's kind of an exception to that is OG and an because you can, uh, I I would have to check under the new CBA. That's that's what's thrown everything off. But uh, if you're working under the new CBA, the difference between OG's 18.6 million and Marcus Morris's 17.1, I mean, it's tough, but you might be able to make it work. But other than that, you're not doing a one-for-one trade. So I don't think that's going to be soon. Uh, I, but I, I do think that there's the potential that it could happen this year. What I would say is that the offseason is probably more so what you're looking at, and here's the reason why I say that. Uh, the optionality that you're going to have is much greater. I don't know that Daryl Morey is going to want to try and uh, effectively cut himself off and try and acquire one of these Toronto Raptors stars when he can target them in free agency, first of all. So uh, that's the one issue that I have with some of the guys like OG, and I know that OG and Zach Levine have been reported uh, as possible targets by Chris Mannix, which that to me is pure speculation. They have been linked to Levine in the past. Again, I think that was more kind of smoke because w- the, the, what is the real reason? Obviously, he's a high volume scorer. He's an efficient shooter. Uh, is he a fit for what the Sixers need? I don't necessarily think so. I think that he's too ball dominant. I don't think he plays enough defense. I think from what we've seen from Tyrese Maxey, he was the Eastern Caucus player of the week for the first week in in, in the NBA. I mean, we need to see him sustain that but he's been fantastic you're looking at a possible all-star campaign do you need someone who is possibly going to take away opportunity from maxi no i think you need someone who's going to compliment him. so that and the enormous contract that Levine's on those are my two biggest reasons for not thinking that he's going to be a target at least during the season uh but i do think they're going to wait till till the offseason to use some of these picks i think they might make Maybe a small deal here and there, but they're not going to use up a whole lot of their future capital. Uh, and I think that's that's the wise decision for Philadelphia. Uh, Marshall so, Lynch does check in and says that uh, it was reported that this wasn't what Maury wanted. I think that's fairly obvious. I think Maury wanted the world. I think anybody yeah. kind of understood that. Uh, I think that Maury even knew he wasn't going to get the world, but he sure as hell was going to try. Yeah. Um, so ownership, whether or not ownership wanted a deal done sooner. I would definitely buy that they did because this is not good for business, obviously, and even though Josh Harris has been very focused on what's going on in Washington, which has been petering off in part thanks to our Philadelphia Eagles, uh, I I do think that there is a sense of, all right, we need to really wrap this up and make this not an issue anymore. And one guy who I uh, know just based on the way that he's answered questions about the topic that he really wanted this figured out as well was the new head coach, Nick Nurse. Uh, so, for his sake, for the sake of all the guys in the locker room, it was good to get this band-aid ripped off, and I think they did fairly well overall in accomplishing that. You know,
1: I think, I think that the 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 rumor also a rumor, but the the talk about how the two owners had to come together and get the deal done. Like you said, I do buy it, and, and it's probably because Josh Harris sat there and said, "Listen." Like my fan base, like first of all, I'm I'm gonna tell you what what's a part is the uncertainty around a team was hurting the, the 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 bottom line. And when you look at home, the home opener prices, like they are on Ticketmaster for like lower level was like sixty bucks. When have you ever seen lower level Sixer tickets in the last five to six years for sixty bucks? And I know it's so- when they played.
0: Yeah, I was going to
1: say. But still, like, it don't matter. All the games are normally sold out no matter who they play, right? So, in my eyes, I feel like bottom line talks. And all the uncertainty, now we at least know what you got going into the season. And I think it came down to part of that where they said, listen, Nick Nurse said, y'all got to get this done. Like, and then there's no way Harden could have came back with the week that Maxie had. And then you try to incorporate him and. the ball movement stops or he doesn't run the plays because he don't feel like it. And then afterwards they'll be asked about, Oh, well, James Harden came back and the ball movement, you guys had the first five games aren't happening now. What happened? And then nurse is going to cover for him by saying he doesn't know the plays yet, but he'll, you know, it's just like a circle. So it's like they had to get it done and they had to you know everybody had to give up something like that. They, you know, didn't want to give up
0: to,
1: to make it work. So.
0: Yeah. They all had to play well with each other, and uh, you know, I, I definitely think that it was the right move for everyone, uh, in the long run. Shout out to Duck Duck, obviously a uh, big time PSN pod supporter. Love you, Duck. I will not be on Flipping the Birds tonight, but be sure to still check out Brian and Eric tonight talking to Eagles for PSN on Flipping the Birds tonight. Uh, Eric brings up a, a, an interesting point that they could turn this into effectively two players. I think the strategy is to turn this into two players in the sense that using the compensation, the draft compensation of picks and young players into one player and then the cap space into a second player. I think that definitely is a possibility. Uh, He brings up names like Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown obviously saw that big extension. And what Eric's saying is a Jalen Brown type, okay, which is different than Jalen Brown himself, obviously. Uh, Brandon Ingram is a guy that I am not high on. I'll be flat honest with you. Oh, uh, I, people around around, uh, I'll say the the NBA Twitter. Uh, you know, there are a lot of big Brandon Ingram fans out there. Uh, I must. Well, he's good, obviously, but is he someone who's going to elevate you to contender status? That's what I'm not I'm not so sure about. Uh, Marshall Lynch checks in talking about all the movement uh, and motion in Nick's offense. I think I saw them cut more Sunday night when I was there than I saw the entire Doc Rivers administration. Mm-hmm. So it was absolutely fantastic basketball. Uh, he, he's been great coaching the team on, on both sides, offense and defense. Uh, we've seen Joel Embiid, and, and I think this is in part to Nick Nurse, but a lot of the credit does go to Joel in, as well, obviously. Uh, but on both sides of the ball, he just looked fantastic as a rim protector, as a facilitator, obviously he's a scoring threat, and he was fantastic on the boards against Portland as well. Uh, so I, I think that Nick Nurse now has an opportunity that he's able to integrate these guys thinking specifically and justin you mentioned guys who wouldn't wouldn't play robert covington kj martin and i even think nick batum i think they're all going to get a shot now are they going to play insane minutes i don't think right. so but uh you know they're all and kj martin more than the other two versatile uh Bigger forwards, so you know that everyone's got a little bit of a shot at least. Martin being the least in that case. Topyton hasn't had a great, uh, great run of it over the past couple of years or so. Right. Uh, at his still. peak, at his peak, he could be a, a serviceable PJ Tucker replacement. Um, you know where the the defense isn't quite as good, but uh, maybe the the three point threat's a little bit not not better from a, a percentage standpoint, but better from he's actually going to take a shot that's not in the corner. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that would potentially be a benefit of of going with Robert Covington. Uh, But it's really going to be interesting to see what the starting lineup is going to be like going forward. Before we get into what we would like to see the starting lineup being, I just want to point out, Eric, you're talking about flipping Tobias Harris. I don't think Tobias Harris is leaving this team. And when I say that, I don't even just mean this season. I'm almost certain that they will not trade him unless a true superstar is on the table. And they won't have to because once these players that they received in this deal are able to be aggregated, you're going to have the matching salary to get a a top-end player without having to move Tobias Harris. But that being said, the way that Tobias has performed, the way that he has led his entire six years tenure, I think that he's here to stay, not just this season, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him get another deal in the offseason. Justin, what are your thoughts on Tobias Harris?
1: Yeah, I don't like you said, I don't think he's getting traded unless, you know, somebody opens up and it's a big star, and they're like, we really want Tobias Harris in this deal, plus the assets. I don't think he's getting moved. And we talked about this before, like yeah. Tobias has been such a – like he's he's complained through his dad and through Keith Pompey, but you know, he's been, you know, doing everything that they asked him to do for the, since he's been here, his role has changed every year and he just keeps going to keeps going. This year has changed as well. I think we have a guy like Tobias. I think Tobias, unless there's a contender out there who's going to drop a bag of cash on him, I think Tobias will take a little discount to stay here for another two or three years you know, as he, as he goes forward to the, to the, to the twilight of his career. I mean, Tobias is what? 29, 30. No, he's older than that. I feel like he's, I feel like, but cause Tobias was drafted early. Cause I think he came out as a freshman, yeah, he,
0: so. he's He's been in the league a long, long time. So, yeah. It's easy to forget how long he's been in the league. He's 31.
1: Yeah. So I'm like, he's been in the league for a very long time. And you know, I think that he's, he's a good asset. Like, the only problem yeah. with Tobias has been his entire Sixers career is the contract. If Tobias was not, did not get $185 million or whatever it was, and he was doing the production he was doing, nobody would be complaining. If he was getting $120 million, nobody yeah. would be saying anything over five years. They'd be like, okay, that's a middle-of-a-pack player for middle-of-a-pack money. That's it. But because of the contract, the expectations were so high for him to be this thing that he wasn't. And the Sixers were backed into the corner because they were losing Jimmy Butler, so they mm-hmm. had to give him the money. And it's very smart about Tobias and his and his dad, who is his agent, to leverage that. So here we are now. He's been through everything. He's been with Joel through everything. Might as well keep it together then. Plus, you, you can never underestimate what guys bring a leadership in a locker room and stuff like that. That's why I don't think they would trade him. Yeah, um, no. it'd just be too much of a shake-up.
0: Although... I, th- I think if there's one way that you want to get Joel to start thinking about leaving Philadelphia, which I think all the smoke that you've heard so far is coming straight out of New York, but if you want to force Joel out, trading Tobias Harris at the deadline uh, and, and not getting a top-tier star is absolutely the way that you're going to do that. I
1: agree. And let, let, me, let me get your question on this. Uh, or let me get your answer on this. So who do you think out of the guys plays? And, like, I think Batum plays for sure because I think Batum defensively is solid. I think he's a willing shooter. Like, willing is the thing. Willing, specifically from the corners, and he's a good shooter. I think K.J. Martin is – well, I think Marcus Morris, I don't know if he plays or not. And I love Marcus Morris from a standpoint that he brings you that toughness and – Stuff like that. And Marcus Moore is a low-key professional scorer. He can do it. He's been doing it for a long time too. So, but I don't know if he's gonna play. It's just not enough, not enough minutes for everybody. But I feel like KJ Martin is the X factor because he provides that athleticism that also like Kelly Ube brings, where like imagine a fast break, like a B gets a rebound or Paul Reed gets a rebound, whatever, and it's Maxi Ube, and KJ Martin running the break. The oops and the possibilities, like he just has so much athleticism. He's getting better at shot, his shot, and he he gives. He's a secondary rim, uh, rim protector too. So it's just like I think he's an X factor, and I think he fits the mold of the players that Nick Nurse has used in the past, like a Chris Boucher or a Precious Achua, like those mm. tweeners where you can use them three through five and have success while you're doing it. So I think KJ Martin is going to play more than some of those other guys. I don't know what's your opinion
0: on that. I think by the time the season is over, KG Martin plays more minutes than either of those two guys in a 60s uniform. Uh, KG Martin is someone who has impressed me in his time. Granted, he's really impressed on a bad team. Uh, He's only played two games for the Clippers so far, played with Houston before then. Uh, But just what he brings to the table overall, he's not – an elite shooter. Uh, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a strength, but he's been relatively average and low usage in his time in the league so far, which is solid. That's, you know, you're not necessarily looking for Buddy Heald at a KJ Martin, but uh, like you mentioned, the versatility, the athleticism, he doesn't really have the size of uh, Precious or, or Chris Boucher, but there's a lot of things that he can still do in a Nick Nurse offense and defense. And if you're talking about pairing this guy with, I mean, even, even if you just look at the bench lineup, you know, let's say that it's Paul Reed, let's say that it's him, it's Kelly Oubre, uh, it's Pat Bev, Jaden Springer. Like, let's, let's just call that uh, a lineup that Nick Nurse uses an all bench lineup. That's going to, that is one of the most defensively fierce bench lineups across the NBA. I mean, that would be something that I think would cause a lot of nightmares. Like, that is, it's, it's the antithesis of what we've seen from like the Doc Rivers all bench lineups where, not only could guys not score, but you know they 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 couldn't stop rain with an umbrella. Like there, there's just not anything that can be done. Uh, so to to have that ability, I think he it's someone that Nick Nurse is really going to enjoy utilizing uh, in his defense. I don't know about what the offensive role is going to look like, but I think that as a cutter, as someone who uh, you know can potentially work slightly in the uh, in the pick game, I, I think that there's definitely room for KJ Martin. Robert Covington and Nick Batum, I think that you're going to be kind of looking – and there's a chance that a change of scenery could change a lot for these guys. Let's not rule that out, but it's been a really rough start to the season for both of them. Both of them have looked like they're pretty much at the end of their rope. Uh, we'll see what they look – playing. and let's talk about the Clippers for a second. It's not really like they have – they have Russell Westbrook, obviously, but they don't have a perfect point guard situation. I mean, now they have James Harden, obviously, but uh, let, let's realize how that can potentially factor into. Uh, some of the non-cohesive offense that the Clippers have seen uh, in their early two games. So uh, can they figure it out possibly? I think Nick Batum especially gets a shot to try and figure some stuff out because he is a bit more capable defensively right now than Robert Covington. Uh, but for me, it's K.J. Martin. I think he's going to get more minutes than, than anybody there. And Marcus Morris, from what I can see, I, I don't think he's here to play. I think he's here to get traded. Uh, so we or or to expire at the end of the year, so we'll see what happens. Uh, on that front, it's kind of a shame because he's he's wanted to come to Philly. Uh, he's from Philly, he's in Philly. He's not going to play for Philly unless there's, uh, you know, virtually no, I mean, Mo Bamba's going to be getting minutes over him. Let's be honest, it's probably what it is. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see going forward. Before we get to, to really the full starting lineup, uh, Phil checks in. Talking about his point on our morning show, PSN's morning show trending in the AM, saying how Daryl Morey fixed his Harden and Tucker mistakes. Let's not praise him. Listen, he's, so, he's not off the hook. He's not off the hook. No, he's not off the hook. No, no, he's definitely not off the hook. I mean, listen, you still have to, you have to atone for your sins. You have to recognize past mistakes. Uh, that being said, a lot of people praising Daryl Morey at the time the James Harden trade was made the first time around. You know, so. Uh, should Maury have known more than anybody how this was going to end up? I think he should have. I think he should have considered it, especially once he realized that he wasn't going to pay James Harden what Harden wanted. So yes, there's a lot of blame that still has to be put on, on Daryl Maury. That being said, had he listened to a lot of people out there who said, I'll just trade him for anything just to get him out of town. And we would have accepted, you know, matching salary without KJ Martin and without the second pick, just one pick and a pick swap. That would not have been acceptable either, and and so to uh, be patient to wait this long and get a, a bit more of a uh, solid return for James Harden, I think he deserves credit for that. But I think he also still deserves blame. You just have to be able to assess on both sides. Um, you know, that, and that's why his overall grade for how this entire situation has worked out is probably around a C or or low B. I mean, he didn't do anything world beating, like the Sixers did not acquire a star. They did not acquire what they need to, to land a star. Uh, they're in a better position than they were after James Harden said he was going to sit out for the year. That's for certain. But, uh, you know, we can't exactly act like the Ben Simmons trade was uh, a roaring success now that we've seen how James Harden and everything like that played out. And as far as P.J. Tucker, again, P.J. Tucker is another guy who was the right move at the time. If you're thinking that James Harden's going to be a part of this team's future, it makes a lot more sense, obviously. It, it didn't work out. And, again, Maury should have known about that, but I don't necessarily fault him for signing P.J. Tucker. I do fault him for telegraphing it and letting the second-round pick uh, go to waste there. But uh, so, where do you stand on Maury praise, no praise, or how should we so feel about this? In
1: my column earlier today, I definitely put him in the quote-unquote loser, loser's column. And the reason I say this is because, yes, he recouped what he could for Harden um, when, like you said, he wasn't going to play. But my issue is, like, it's always been chaos around this team since the process started. Like, it's been chaos, like pure chaos. He was bought in to take us out of chaos land, and he hasn't. It's been more chaos every other year. And, yeah, you hit on a couple draft picks. Cool. We let Isaiah Jill go because Doc Rivers didn't want to play him, but that's whole another story. But he's hit on draft picks. I can say that. And I know he's not making a full decision on that. I know it's a, you know, a whole team doing that, but he gets the credits for some of those draft picks. But he just hasn't brought us out of the chaos. And my honest opinion is if he doesn't get this next move right with these assets, he is gone he will get the brunt of everything and he will be fired. If he doesn't bring in a star, if he doesn't do whatever he needs to do to make this next move his best move, because this is the only ammo he has in the chamber left. You can't trade Ty- Tyrese Maxey now. The city will find where he lives and bur- burn it down. He's already showed, Tyrese Max has already showed that he's an all-star. He he's, can be an all-star caliber player. Right. And we'll need to see more of what we saw, but we've seen it at him for the last two years. You can't trade him. He's he's the person who will bridge into the future. Right. As Embiid goes out of his prime and we get into Tyrese Maxi prime. So you need to find somebody that fits. If he can't do that and a B requests out next summer or whatever, or during the trade deadline next year because it's just not working, he's out of here. And that's where I'm at with it. Like he has to like bring some stability here because other people look at this team as like a joke. And that's maybe why stars may not want to come here in the first place. It may not even have to do with Joel. It could be that just front office has been a joke. So that's why I stand, you know, with, with Maury. And I say that with the utmost respect, (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, I say that with the utmost respect, respectfully, but you got to do something, big dog. I, and I'm yeah. saying this with the utmost respect. I, when I see you head sure. nod but I'm saying this with the utmost you got to do something. Because
0: yeah,
1: right now, like, there's a whole bunch of people who have new optimism for the team who didn't have it
0: yeah.
1: 24 hours ago. You can't let them down. Yep. You got to strike and you got to make yeah. a good move. And I'm not saying the hard move was a bad move. Getting, at the time, getting James Harden for Ben Simmons was like, yo, we fleeced them.
0: Oh, sure. Do you remember the national reporting on that trade? Yeah. I mean, people went crazy in favor of Philadelphia after that. And even still, when you look at the production that James Harden has given versus the production that Ben Simmons has given, it was really more that they had given up two first-round picks and salary for James Harden, which what did they get for James Harden after all this? Two first-round picks and salary. And a pick swap.
1: They recoup they recouped and exactly. that, that's why as that's I'm saying I'm giving him a little reprieve but he has to do he has to do something he has to do something else to help this team or it's in my opinion I think it's it for him
0: yeah I mean the way that <clears throat> that I would put it is that um, who's the next fall guy in Philadelphia right so when you look at these teams at, at, at all teams across sports um, when there's a bit of a, a time of conflict, you have to look and and season over season, situation over situation, you look and say, well, who's the fall guy? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call Doc Rivers the fall guy for last season. I would say that it was Doc Rivers' time. I would say that Doc Rivers had proven that he was not the coach for this team going forward. Uh, But, you know, there are people who you can say, well, this person was the fall guy Who's next on that that pecking order? So when you look around, um, you know, is the owner going to be the next fall guy? No, he owns the team. It's not. You know, Josh Harrison's the fall guy. Uh, Joel Embiid is he going to be the fall guy? No, he's not leaving unless he wants to get out of here. Nick Nurse, he was just hired. He's not the fall guy. So who's the next fall guy? <clears throat> are you going to say Elton Brand? Or are you going to say Elton Brand's been making all these decisions the entire time and he's the fall guy? No, absolutely not. It is Daryl Morey. Now I don't think the team would ever. I don't think they see themselves moving on from Daryl Morey because he's very well liked and well respected in the organization. Uh, I think Daryl Morey more than likely will be here as long as he wants to be here. If there is any inkling of Joel being like, yo, you got to get this guy out of here so we can get someone who can do something else in here or I'm going to go, that might be the only thing that can really kind of force their hands there. But that being said, That does not change the fact that you're absolutely right, that this next move has to be a a much more than solid move for Daryl Moore. This has to be, and and this next move, whether it comes at the trade deadline, whether it comes in free agency this offseason, whether it's a trade this offseason, whatever the case, by the start of next season, this situation has to be figured out because whether or not the time clock is when Joel Embiid is going to ask for a trade, much more important. You have to make sure that you're working with, well, what's Joel Embiid's window left? You know, what, what are we doing? Now we have an all-star candidate in Tyrese Maxey, possibly even better. Joel Embiid is playing the best he's ever played this early in the season. Let's see if he can keep it up throughout the season and into the postseason. But you could be potentially looking at one of Joel's best seasons. How are we maximizing? this top two player in the nba because it's it's him and Jokic. let's be honest how are we maximizing this top two player in the nba or are we just going to piss away this entire window and if you're just going to piss it away you're not the man for the job and i don't think daryl Mory plans on doing that i think that he uh is obviously going to do whatever he can to succeed in this role I think that he's had a very difficult task ahead of him, but hey, guess what? You signed up for a tough job, and he knows that. You know, I'm not saying that he's unaware of how difficult the job, or he was unaware of how difficult the job is going to be when he signed up for it, but uh, you knew it was going to be a tough job coming in. So yeah, you have to do the work. So we'll see what he can really do going forward. I want to get to a few more of these comments. Uh, I, I do see here talking about uh, Marshall Lynch talking about Terrence Mann, uh, if that would swing it to an A-grade. I'm not, I like Terrence, man. I'm not that high on him. I don't think this changes it to an A. Like, if you swap out Nick Batum and put in Terrence, man, I I still don't put this at an A. Like, would it have been a better deal? Absolutely. But the thing for me is, like, I don't even think they wanted to keep Terrence, man, if they got him. Terrence, man, I'm pretty sure they were trying to think of, like, well, we can swing him for another pick. So that's probably the mentality that you're using if you're the Sixers front office. So the fact that they got the second first round pick anyway i think they're fine without it you know without terrence man if i'm being flat honest with you like would they have preferred him over batum Sure, but from a value standpoint i i think that they're perfectly fine there uh doug absolutely shout out Enjoy, actually enjoy the show Duck is not a basketball guy not a sixers fan however he's having a good time like hopefully the rest of you are i know i'm having a great time talking to sixers basketball justin what should i say peter b parker absolutely thank you all for for hanging out uh, let us know who you think the uh, standout of this trade is going to be. If it's KJ Martin, if it is Nick Batum, Robert Covington, if you think Marcus Morris is going to have a resurgence. But uh, I mean, really going forward to the season, the next question is, well, who's going to be in the starting lineup? The obvious guys are Maxie and Bean, Harris. I think D'Anthony is not leaving the starting lineup right now. So who's going to be in that second forward spot? I mean – Tobias ideally is playing power forward when he's at his best position in in, uh, in basketball. You don't have to play him there. Obviously, they haven't been playing him there. But, uh, you know, do you play Tobias at the four and a guy like Nick Toom, Kelly Oubre, K.J. Martin at the three? I mean, the problem is that they have a lot of redundancy at the power forward because Nick Toom, Robert Covington, K.J. Martin, Tobias Harris, all their best positions right now is power forward. So what's the starting lineup that you would roll out there Thursday night against the Toronto Raptors, Justin?
1: I would, I would probably go with the four knowns, of course, and B, Maxie, Melton, Tobias. And I think my fifth starter, it's so many options, but I first thing before I say who this, it's not Kelly Oubre, and not anything against him, but I think he's working well off the bench in that six-man role. Also gives him a little – he plays with the starters a lot, but also gives him free reign coming off the bench where he can get his shots and do his thing. Clearly clearly he's a scorer. He's a 20 point scorer last year. He could put the ball in the hoop. I'll keep him in his role that he's successful in now. I wouldn't be surprised, but I will keep him in that role. And, but I will prop I think that it'll be Robert Covington um in there. Um they'll want Covington guarding the the four the threes and the fours. Who, whoever's probably and actually, you know, at this point. Tobias is a, a way better defender now, but they'll probably have Covington starting out on the better forward and put Tobias, you know, on, on the other guy. But I think Covington will wind up being a starter um, because he has familiarity with Joe. And, you know, he'll we know he'll shoot the three from the corners and launch from the corners. And we know that he won't be a complete, like, zero on offense. And that's the one thing about P.J. Tucker where I'm just like he came alive in the the one game against Boston and a couple games in the playoffs. He's done his thing. But like this year he's just been a, ple- been a complete zero. Like he hit a couple threes the other night. I think one in transition or maybe two in transition. But like I seen where it was like one pass he got in the middle. Like he had rolled from the corner to the middle of the floor because they trapped and instead of putting a layup up or a floater, he just, like, passed the ball to the corner and was mad that Melton or whoever didn't slide to the corner. And it's like, bro, you had a layup. And it's just like, you can't have, like, you can't have, it'll be way better to have somebody that's not on offense that's a complete zero on offense. So, I, But I think it will be probably Covington that will get the, get the original start. And then if it doesn't work out for Covington, I think you'll see Batum in that spot. What's your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, here's where I agree with you. I I do think it starts at Covington, and I think that's mostly pedigree. I, uh, I I think that's he's been starting in L.A. Uh, he's he's been a starter for some time. He's he's a very uh, agreeable type of player. You know that that three and D type. Obviously, he's kind of aging out of that, and you have to really see how he can still uh perform because both he and Batum have struggled this year, as I mentioned. Um I think to start you see Covington uh well getting the start. From there, as the season goes on, we'll see where Nick Nurse turns. He hasn't shown the same fear to play younger players uh that that other coaches in Philadelphia in their past have have shown so is there the possibility that eventually kenyon martin jr becomes the starter i think yeah i think that's a possibility maybe past the debt trade deadline if they don't make a move that brings in another uh quality three then yeah i think that's a possibility on the kelly Ubrey front i know there's going to be a huge start kelly Ubrey movement a lot of people going to want to see kelly Ubrey in the starting lineup with how well he's played so far this season i'm not ready to put him in the starting lineup only because I don't want to mess up his, not not only, but I don't want to mess up his six-man-of-the-year campaign, first of all. Uh, second of all, he's been fantastic. It is working. Do not mess that up. Let that continue to go. Uh, I don't think it's a matter of, you know, he's earned the chance to start. Let's talk about what he's really earned. He's earned the chance to succeed, and he's succeeding in his current role. He's playing plenty of minutes right now. He's been very effective. Let him keep on playing in that same role. I mean, the guy's averaging just under 20 points per game now. Obviously, most of that is coming off of his first game against Milwaukee. But he's hit over 10 points per game in every single game that he's played. Uh, he's already started to regress a little bit. So if you look over his past two games, he's yet to hit a three. And that's kind of the feast of famine that is Kelly Oubre. So when you're working with kind of a streaky shooter like that, who can be an electric source of points, Yeah, let that guy come off your bench. It's totally fine to have uh, a guy like that off the bench. I don't want him necessarily in that starting lineup where he feels that added pressure to perform, uh, even though, like you said, he plays with the starters often. Let him kind of feel himself, keep feeling himself as that uh, first guy off the bench, that electric energy. Just, Kelly, we need a guy to go out there and score, take the ball, put it in the bucket. Like That's Kelly Oubre's role. I think it's how it should be for the rest of the season. For me, it's Robert Covington for now, based on pedigree. I like Nick Batum in theory, uh, and I, I think it was uh, Marshall Lynch who talked about um, how basically Nick nursing. Oh, here it is. Yeah, so Nick nursing encouraged Gasol and Ibaka to speak Spanish to each other when defending Joel in the playoffs. Doing the same with Batum and Joel It's an interesting concept. Uh, I don't think Batum's at the same uh, playable level that Abaca was with the Raptors but I do think that there is an advantage there that you don't necessarily have with Robert Covington. Now, with Robert Covington, you have the advantage of familiarity with Joel Embiid. So either way, you can't really go wrong, but uh, there's there's potential here. You know, there's, there's a lot of different optionality. I don't think that we're going to see a set starting lineup right from the jump. I think we're going to see a couple different looks, uh, at least to, to start and figure out what works, what doesn't. We've seen that already with the bench rotation. Uh, with Danny Green getting minutes in the first game, with Jaden Springer as well. Uh, then it was Danny Green, Daniel House, and then it was Jaden Springer and Daniel House. So I think that's kind of what we're going to see is more kind of Nick Nurse playing with the pieces a little bit seeing what fits, and really just going from there to see what the best fit is in the long term is. But uh, I, I know this for pretty certain. I don't expect it to be Marcus Morris. So that's that's the one guy who we haven't really talked about uh, I, I do think that he's going to be really good for this locker room. Uh, I am excited to to see him on, on that perspective, but uh, it's it's more so going to be that kind of background impact for, for Morris. For now, probably Rocco or Batum, and then long-term, probably uh, K.J. Martin, assuming that they don't make a deal at the deadline. But, of course, we'll see what happens there. So uh, we're coming up against it at the 8 o'clock hour here. Obviously, I don't want to – distract anyone from flipping the birds which is set to start soon for psn so i advise anyone who's still with us in the live chat to make your way over to flipping the birds you want to check out brian you want to check out eric talking about the eagles victory over the washington commanders as far as us talking about james harden the outlook for the philadelphia 76ers check out billysportsnetwork.com justin along with the rest of our great writers definitely have put out a lot of great content on us so far and we're gonna be putting out a lot more great content on to follow but don't forget to follow still processing on twitter at processing pod 76 don't forget to uh like and rate on spotify absolutely please uh subscribe to philly sports network like this video and really thank you so much for for sticking around with this in the chat it was great we're gonna do a lot more of these live shows we have a lot more fun talking to you guys we love talking to each other but we have a lot more fun talking to you guys also so thank you so much for joining us today thank you for myself thank you for justin thank you from Philly Sports Network. And guys, listen, the air is over. James Harden is no longer in Philadelphia, and it all starts. The new official start of the Sixers season starts today.